We the GamerCast is powered by the You, Me, and Capri Patreon. We want to say thank you to some people starting with our Diamond Executive Producers, Slimer Snarf, Lee Navarro, and Jonathan Brown. Then we have our Platinum Producer, Robbie Bobby Miller. And then to our Gold Level Patrons like James Johnson, Jean Kay, Ashley Nicholson, Aaron Gropper, Trucker Sloth, Argo, Ryan Turford, Egg Shen, and Sony for Life. Sean Capri, welcome to We The Gamer Cast. It publishes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play every single Monday. But patrons get it first. They get it on Fridays. Thank you guys for listening and subscribing and telling a friend and telling your mom and everything that you guys do. I'm stoked for this episode. You guys are in for a real treat. And uh, I have something to add. Right at the start here, Skinny Matt added to that list of gold member patrons at patreon.com slash Yumi Capri. I was gonna I was gonna do the whole like skinny mat added to, you know, Carrie's very lovely intro to it all, but I don't want to make a joke of it, man. I wanted to I actually consider like I don't I go back and forth. I it's very nice to have that nice polish. She has a wonderful voice. I think it sounds really good to have the thank you to everybody for supporting us. I, I don't want to make fun of it, but I'm trying to give you a sense of what I'm talking about here. I'm not making fun of it. It's beautiful. Uh but like there's something like I, I usually I used to do it like in in this show but I also know some of you guys really enjoy that so let me know um you know if what you prefer I like kind of I'm gonna mix and match it a little bit I think I want to make sure that I still have I have this chance no other show do I get this chance to talk to you one-on-one like this other than the pants patreon podcast for patrons podcast which everybody gets for a dollar over patreon.com slash you capri but I'm getting way ahead of myself because if you're new here's the deal every week I have sweet hangs with a stranger or a friend from the internet we talk about life and video games and a bunch of crazy stuff and if you want to be on the show it's pretty easy just tweet at me at Sean Capri Sean like Connery Capri like the pants and we are loaded up you guys we are scheduled through August it is just the start of July as I record this we are in the back half of 2020 believe it or not we'll make it out of this thing uh whoa I think we're, we're halfway there whoa whoa we're living on a prayer uh somebody made that joke in, in the discord and I appreciate it very much very much I hope you guys are doing great as I mentioned there is a wonderful tremendous intellectual even conversation coming your way but you knew that because you guys have seen who's on the show it's ian preschel from okay beast uh but guys did you check out last week's episode did you listen to rebecca from nintendo shack because i listened back and my god rebecca is just the best and nintendo shack is as i said last week one of the best if not the best nintendo podcast that you're not listening to many of you are some of you are you got to go check it out please i'm telling you guys i was listening uh they they stream it live at twitch.tv slash psvg every thursday night which is now that's that's tonight as i record this because the patrons get it first as i mentioned they get it on fridays you get the whole weekend you can do all your your house chores you could you could mow the lawn you could scrub some toilets whatever you want while listening to We The Gamer Cast. <laughs> I just love the thought. If you guys are actually scrubbing toilets while uh, while listening to this, you've got like your phone kind of on the counter or maybe you got your earbuds in or something like that, let me know. I'm not going to like, I don't think I can really offer you anything other than just like my laughter. Just know that I would uh, I would really appreciate it. And we'll let's just connect in that sort of weird way. Please, guys, as I mentioned, Rebecca from Nintendo Shack, make sure you don't miss that episode because it's great. If you're here for Ian, go back one. Just go back one. 
Rebecca's great too, but listen to this too. I mean, don't let me tell you what to do. Do whatever you guys like. I hope you guys are doing good. I'm feeling weird. <laughs> I had a good day today. We went out to a to like a bird sanctuary, like an hour and a half uh, like south of the city. Went on a bit of a road trip. We checked out some birds. We checked out some 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 goats, a bunch of animals. Just just classic. It was a, it was a pretty Canadian kind of day. Right, it was pretty good. Uh, the kids didn't nap, so Lincoln had a couple meltdowns. So that was that was pretty fun. So you get to feel like a pretty awesome dad, you know, just getting him back in the house as he's absolutely just screaming. <laughs> My God, it was a good night. So I'm excited to chat with you guys about all this. Get this episode up, and I'm gonna play some freaking Xenoblade tonight, man. Holy crap, I am. I'm chasing Garrett Bland, also from Nintendo Shack, because a couple days ago he said that I think he was like level 55 and chapter 14 or something like that. Like he was he was ahead, and I'm like, okay, I've got to catch you, man. I've had the week off, which I kind of go back and forth on. Like I've had a couple days that have been really really good. I've been able to spend some time playing a bunch of games, especially lately. Like the last like like 14 days or so has been pretty good i finished off what was it called uh the last of us part two that was the the small game that came out a couple of weeks ago finished that dumped a whole bunch of hours into xenoblade and even though there's a whole bunch of like distractions coming my way like that track mania this game uh i think it's from ubisoft it's like a rc car like kind of kart racing game it's coming in it looks like i think it's free i feel like i'm just like judo chopping like deflecting all these games coming at me i'm like no i gotta stay strong and finish xenoblade because it's getting kind of weird and i'm really enjoying it and i can finally enjoy like a, a jrpg where i understand i think everything about it there's like maybe a very very small portion of it there's one like menu item that i don't really understand but that's besides the point i should probably talk to ian about this ian did you play if you're, ian if you're listening do you listen to these things if anybody knows anything about xenoblade the um what the hell? Like the links, the the, the the skill links. I don't even know, man. I don't even know what they're called. Apparently. But everything else, I get. The point is, I can turn off my brain. I can listen to a podcast. I can grind away, and it's a good time. I'm enjoying Xenoblade. Finally, holy crap! Anyway, I hope you guys are doing really great. Um, let's. Why don't we just jump right into? Do I have to, anything else to tell you? I think that's good. I said the Patreon thing. Oh, they said, yeah, Skinny Matt, uh, new gold member. Oh, how could I forget? The um, the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/UmiCapri hit a major major milestone and i joked last week i said if we hit 50 patreon patrons i will tell my mom and i did because we did we did it you did it patreon.com slash yumi capri has 50 people supporting that means 50 people getting the early access to the show that means 50 people will get the access to the pants patreon podcast for patrons podcast that's the ama that's like this show for 30 minutes and you just you just onslaught all of your questions and i will answer absolutely everything so if you guys haven't jump over there uh for a for a buck or more you can uh you can join the 50 people over there which is insane i told my mom so thank you to ashley nicholson and aaron gropper joining in not just not even just like like inching on in just blowing it up ashley nicholson and aaron gropper right at the freaking gold member status holy crap what the heck is even happening Tons of great stuff. I really appreciate it, you guys. So welcome. If you're listening to this for the first time, I know a lot of people coming in from everything that Bobby is doing. So wonderful partnership. And uh, it's named after me, <laughs> which confuses a lot of people for sure. Uh, but enough on that. I want to get to Ian uh, because Ian is a wonderful human being. I've known him for many, many years. And uh, man, I've been, I think I've been exhausted ever since chatting with Ian <laughs> about a week ago. Uh, and I think I know why. And it's I feel like it's kind of like when... You haven't exercised in a long time. You kind of get fat and out of shape. Your joints hurt. And you're, but you still have that like, oh, I was in shape one time. Like, 
uh, I'm gonna, and then you go like, I'm gonna go for a run. I wanna, I'm gonna get back into it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really push myself. And you realize, nah, man, you can't just like do nothing for years and then push yourself real hard because, because you'll, you'll hurt yourself. And I think that that's what I did intellectually with Ian. I've been <laughs> coasting for years. I haven't really studied anything. I haven't really been pushing my, my brain in this sort of way. And then Ian shows up and he's a smart man. He's a smart, beautiful person. And I love talking to him and things kind of get, like heady here things kind of get brainy and i love it i am like yeah let's do this i haven't had a chat like this in a long time let's go and for ian it's just like it's like middle gear and i'm like i'm sprinting along next to him like he's going for like an evening walk and i'm just like i'm just trying to keep up man and i've been uh <laughs> trying to refill my electrolytes ever <laughs> ever since so i hope you guys enjoy this but many of you guys know ian from okay beast and uh, you can follow him on twitter at ian why not he's a wonderful man let's get right into it with my good friend ian Preshel. Ever, if you ever touched a computer, you know the the deep dark sin that is trying to fix it. Well, how do people like who don't know things about computers like how do they survive all this? Oh, dude, I don't even. I, I feel like it's, dude, I can't even imagine that because right? like trying to figure out like oh this plug like even just troubleshooting that took like what like a minute and a half. That's because I was like, well, you know, I know that I have the audio jack in the back. I have the the cable here so it must be in the software because i know that it works in the hardware right yeah i can't imagine like my mom being like well i plugged my headphones into this thing but why aren't they working or whatever like i can't uh, you I can't know what imagine. i think i think it's the same thing that actually prevents them from actually learning it to begin with it's just like the i don't give a crap mm, yeah. like that they that they just kind of like it doesn't work so they kind of walk away and they find something else to do whereas like for yeah. people, maybe people like who eventually learn how to like build a pc or record a podcast or things like that mm. like those are the types of people who are confronted with a technological challenge like that and go like well i've obviously yeah. got to get to the bottom of this <laughs> like like yeah. cancel all my meetings cancel all my calls <laughs> i've got to i've got to sort this out man. gotta figure it out yeah I, I feel like that's a good interesting parallel to like video games in general to like the general oh, yeah. public to the older generation right because mm -hmm. there's something called i don't know if this is like a design term in, in video game design or if it's like just something in product development that i learned mm -hmm. um, but there's something called prohibitive difficulty Difficulty. Yeah. So like with tech that is like inherently more complex, you want to have you want to give the user as much creative control over like the minutia as possible. But if you introduce too much information too quickly, the likelihood of the person giving up increases. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like even with like a DSLR camera, we'll say like I'm looking at like my Sony a 600 right now. Um, posted up over here, right? And like, even though there are tons of things you can get into in the settings menu, the default level of complexity when you're like turning it on and like moving this here and like clicking the record button or the, the picture button or whatever, um, like that's relatively simple, right? right? So it's like kind of organizing the difficulty and organizing like where things are supposed to go um, kind of gets into the nitty gritty of like UI design and you know, like what, and like user interface and, and stuff like that, which is kind of yeah. like, interesting thing about is it is, it's crazy because it's like it kind of speaks to like this this language this universal language that's sort of built on like a familiar vocabulary of like when you talk about like ui like you kind of have to know that like a power button is a thing and it looks a mm. certain way and like yeah. even like a record button typically like red right so you think mm. well that's going to mean something and i always yeah. think that that's really interesting because you have to have that like baseline and then totally build upon that and when you talk mm. about like um 
introducing too much too soon or the or the difficulty kind of pushing people away like the first thing that popped up in my mind it was not going to be a, a dslr although i think that's an apt comparison and and topic on that on that matter mm. but I, I was thinking of like the witness to be honest with you where it's like Ooh. it walks you mm. through and that's where I, I think about like the vocabulary of it all with the, the line puzzles mm. and everything and like that would be all well and good if it was totally sequential like you go from from this island or part of the island and then you walk over to this one because that's stage two like that's where my brain breaks in that game because it's not mm -hmm. that like it goes start here and then you can just like wander wherever and it doesn't mm -hmm. seem to like even limit you to go like maybe try this part here so that you can learn what the hell these dots and squares and yeah. whatever else means did you ever play that game i i did and i had the same issue that you had and i think that it comes down to the the marketing of that game being wrong i think um, Interesting. And I'll, I'll, this is what I'll say to that, is that I think that that game is actually not a puzzle game. Mm -hmm. I think that it's a problem-solving game. Sure. I know that that seems like a really, like, um, innocuous comparison or, like, um, like really minute comparison, but, like, kind of what you just described, right? A puzzle, right? Like, let's say Tetris or whatever. Like, if you're trying to teach someone Tetris, you yeah. slowly, like tick down okay we'll have the drops go down very slowly i teach you okay these blocks come together they can form a line boom and then now you kind of are able to complete the puzzle because you have all the information yeah right i think that that's the difference between a puzzle game and a problem solving game or like some sort of we'll have to think of another word or whatever but right like the witness inherently does not give you all the information and it allows you or it forces you to connect the dots with whatever available information you have right which mm. is i think in concept is very different than a puzzle game you know what i mean well i definitely yeah i do know what you mean and i totally agree because i feel like that would actually change when you talk about like the marketing being wrong like that would actually change my entire approach to the game and unfortunately like my coming to understand what the heck that was even all about and then mm. getting pushed back with the difficulty kind of all happened all at the same time so by the time mm. i kind of maybe even figured it out like i'm like oh i was kind it's of at, at the end yeah it was too late yeah. so if i went into it thinking and I do feel like, you know, like the, the, the marketing of it was one thing, but people were definitely talking about it in a way that kind of spoke to that. But maybe I just need to talk to you first. Maybe that was my, my big deal. <laughs> Dude, no, I'm, I mean, I, I would just melt your brain that you wouldn't want to play the game anymore. I mean, you, <laughs> that could be any game, hear, though. That's possible as well. Do you want to hear another situation in which um, the genres of video games um, are somewhat prohibitive in yeah. a very similar situation. Yeah. So I was playing Dark Souls 3 like a billion years ago. It was uh -huh. like back when I still lived in Tokyo. Give or take. I was take. playing it. And yeah, it feels like it, for all, at this point, I was like, what? We're 2020 now? Seriously. Probably three or four years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jesus, four years mm -hmm. ago. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, so I'm playing this game and I'm getting really frustrated. I'm like, dude, I just want to play the video game. I want to know why people love this thing so much. And my brain was like, oh, this is an action game because like you're rolling, you're you have like these different weapons and stuff like that. And in my head, I was like, this is what the game is. And then yeah. I was playing some boss. I forget what it was. And I think at the time I was also watching a bunch of fighting game streams. And I think someone said, you know, fighting games in a lot of ways are very similar to RPGs and action games. And I was mm -hmm. like, how is that? Like, I don't understand that comparison. And the way that this person described it was like, well, in fighting games, you have to hold block and essentially wait for your turn. Yeah. Kind of like a turn-based RPG, right? And I was like... Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I was like, that's an interesting comparison. And then like when I was playing Dark Souls that same night, I was like, okay, well, I know that right now I can't attack this boss because it's not my turn. Like mm -hmm. they're attacking and if I attack during that animation, I'll be dead essentially. Yeah. And then after, it was like maybe like the second boss of the game or whatever. I'm like fighting this guy and in my head, I'm like, it's... I literally 
shifted my entire viewpoint of the Dark Souls series into a action turn-based RPG. <laughs> and then I beat that game like in a week after that. That is awesome, dude. Holy cow. I love that. You're absolutely perfect. I know uh, I'm going to talk to to Babbit from the trophy room about about this with Bloodborne cuz it is is and it all kind of like comes from like there there has to be I don't know if, if Chase has done some sort of like origin of games <laughs> like is there like a like a, there must be like some sort of like family tree of genres right and i, mm-hmm. I remember there's a there's a great documentary if anybody's are ever interested in like heavy metal there's a great documentary about uh heavy metal called headbangers and it's just like this this total metalhead who went to like anthropology school and like for his project Ooh. he wanted to kind of like discover the origins of, of heavy metal and it, well, through that he kind of just discovered all these genres and sub sub genres of of metal music and i'm like wouldn't that be interesting to do with video games? Like, mm. you know, it kind of is all based on, it's going to be based somewhere like on paper, like Dungeons mm. and Dragons and things like that must be yeah. like at the heart of it, right? It's almost mm. like the the Black Sabbath of video games where it's like, <laughs> yeah. the, every, people say that about Black Sabbath where it's like, there's there's no original like guitar riffs or anything because Black Sabbath did it all, right? Mm. So you, you kind of think like, well, you're playing an RPG and you think it's original. It's like, nah, it's a, it's a dice roll. Or yeah, whatever, it, it like, really and is. I'm not, yeah. too, I'm not deep enough into D and D to to know much more than that. But I'm sure I'm onto something about that. Oh, dude, you totally are. And it's funny that when you said D and D, because like I think that we as like people who play video games, we have this like the genre specifications, like we've been talking about, right? About like you know we have the RPG, hack and slash, whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. But um, the big thing that I learned over the past years, like making videos and stuff, is that um, our delineation between JRPG and Western RPG, right? Mm-hmm. Like even though those delineations are very specific and you have an image in your head of what those two types of games are, yeah. JRPGs as they are, are where they're at now because of games like Dragon Quest, right? Right. And that's like that was like the biggest, besides like Final Fantasy, that was like the hallmark uh, like RPG that kind of started, you know, the genre in a lot of ways. Yeah, so you have your Metallica and, and yeah. Megadeth, you have Final Fantasy yeah. and Dragon Dragon Warrior, was it originally? Yeah, originally, yeah, well, Dragon Warrior, I think, was like the, like, English name, but right. I, I don't know. But yeah. regardless, the crazy thing is, the deeper you get into it, right, is that um, it turns out that when you do the research that Dragon Quest's mechanics are actually based on, um, like, U.S. combinations of systems from D&D, and um, then also like uh, Sword and Sorcery, which is like an old, old, old like mm. DOS game or something. Yeah, man. So it's like it's weird that you think like, oh, man, well, Final Fantasy, all these games, they were their own entity and they started over in, in Japan. You're like, well, not really, because D&D was a tabletop RPG game that started like way, way, way before any of that sort of happened. And like the, the overlap is surprisingly like deep, you know, what yeah. I mean, when you actually get into that sort of stuff. Yeah. And you have to imagine like what what traveler what what pioneer <laughs> went from like one land to the next and like brought with them some sort of game or something and i'm not even sure like i don't know who made up the noodle first like was it italians with their spaghetti or is it the japanese or, or, yeah, the, I'm not or sure. like exactly like ramen i mean like ramen as we know it now i mean this is like unnecessary to talk about with video games but like ramen <laughs> as we know it now actually derived from from china and okay. was moved over through like again like you said like travelers going through and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like the dissemination of ideas both in like Actually, it's funny that we brought the food comparison into it because food, I think, is a perfect sort of parallel to video games in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. where it's like it is like a very harsh discipline. Right. We have crunch in both areas. Right. The people that get into food are usually extremely passionate. Right. Mm -hmm. The people at the top is like master chefs are usually big personalities. Right. Like. I was I was not yeah, going to make shoved this back into a big like sweaty room and everything like you mo- <laughs> you mostly don't know any aside from like maybe the head chef like yeah. that's the only the Neil Druckmann that's the only person you know but he's surrounded yeah. by a bunch of talented line cooks 
Yeah, I was gonna be like, I was gonna make a joke about Guy Fieri and Hideo Kojima. I couldn't make, the, <laughs> I couldn't make the landing. But like, like it's, it is. I think there are tons of parallels to the two industries in a lot of ways. Yeah. And man. I think that you like hear about all these funny stories in like the food world about like, oh, like, um, like Mario Batali and this guy met at Iron Chef and they started like exchanging ideas and then boom, you had this crazy fusion restaurant or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you hear that the same sort of stuff in the video games industry all the time. Like Kingdom Hearts is literally a pro- byproduct of a conversation like that. A Disney CEO and a uh, Square Enix CEO were in the elevator at, at one random building they were both at and then next year Kingdom Hearts came out. Like it's it's wild. So did they like fall in love or something? Like there must be some other sort of like magic t- t- like sauce to k- the success of Kingdom Hearts because like by all my calculations that whole thing should just not work. It should not be successful. Oh. You should have a tremendous number yeah. of people hating on any <laughs> angle of it. And mm, for whatever yeah. reason, it all kind of like works. And I'm just trying to figure like there must have been something in its conception. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, like, it's the it's the main creator. I mean, yeah. honestly, the uh, I forget his name off the top of the dome. But like that guy, he was a I think character artist and like I think second or third in command during like the original PS one days of like Final Fantasy seven. Mm-hmm. And he had all these ideas that he had kind of been like ruminating on for years and years and years during his time at Square. And then when he got the reins he was given Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. So that's why you sort of see like these buck wild themes and like crazy non sequiturs in Kingdom Hearts because that's just what he always wanted to make. Um, It's the same guy that did Final Fantasy 15 as well. Um, And um, and yeah, like it's the reason I think why it is as good as it is and as popular as it is, is that again, kind of talking back to that like food analogy is that there's way more crossover in the things that we like than we actually realize, right? Like Disney in a lot of ways is very influenced by anime and anime is very much influenced by games and games is very influenced by movie. It's like this, like the Venn diagram is a hundred circles and it just so happened that all these circles together created uh, an environment where Kingdom Hearts could be popular. Um, and yeah, I mean like we talk about like, I mean you have a kid, I mean, you have multiple kids, so you know all about Disney stories, right? Yeah, well, no, before the kids, we actually probably watch less Disney now for some strange reason. Uh, but I loved it. Uh, I mean, Paw Patrol or something. Or yeah, honestly, Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol has not infiltrated just yet. There's, there's okay. You would be amazing. It was so funny. There was a time when uh, when all the um, YouTubers like like content creators and everybody were really freaking out over like YouTube was going to create these rules around like family friendly uh, mm. and, and kids streamers and things like that. And it's like and people were really worried about what that what that meant. And it's like you just need to watch maybe like an hour tops, maybe even not, not maybe seven minutes, honestly, of like actual YouTube for kids. And it's like, mm. everybody's okay. And if you're talking about like video games, like you're, that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about like mm. people freaking, this is not in our house, but there's like, there's actual videos with like trillions of views. So like, what are we even trying to have intellectual conversations for? And actually like putting in effort into, into YouTube videos when all you got to do is get some like colored plastic balls and like pull them out of a bucket. And like that video has yeah. got like 17 trillion views views. It's yeah. like, I don't even know Gundam style. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, it like it Gundam might as well be as good without the choreography. Like, it's just like, what Dang. the heck, man? Okay. Hang on. I want to go back to something. Oh, yeah. you're talking rewind, about. Rewind, rewind, rewind. Go yeah. back. Cause you, you, you were talking about the Venn diagrams and I love this, this, um, <laughs> turn of phrase that like in video games, we always refer to like the Venn diagrams and like, I don't know, we're all just maybe analytical in nature, but, mm. but walk me back on the, the, is it the kingdom hearts? And and um, like the Disney and the Final Fantasy put together, what are the what are the circles that all like coincide and, and uh, overlap on top of each other? Why are they all connected and good? Yeah. So um, I'm glad you you got that that circle back. Um, so 
one of the things that I love doing is I love analyzing stories, right? Like I love, mm-hmm. you know, kind of analyzing stories throughout history and like obviously, you know, living in Japan for a while, like seeing, you know, pop culture from there. And then obviously like my parents are both immigrants. So like hearing stories from them as well. Like it, it's interesting to kind of see these sort of these archetypes and these ideas from stories that are not unique to, you know, superheroes are not unique to Disney or not unique to anything. Like it's, it's a historical sort of, um, archetype we'll say. Um, and you know, th- there's tons of psychologists that kind of talk about these things called the archetypal or the persona or stuff like that. It's like very popular from like Carl Jung or whatever. And pretty much there are these things in history that we as human beings attach ourselves to. Right. And it just so happened that those archetypes show up in a bunch of different stories. And it's not surprising that the two most popular media right now, you have like Disney, right? And Square Enix being video games. They have a lot of overlap, right? And that's why I think people were able to resonate so, so strongly with Kingdom Hearts because it fused, you know, the sort of coming of age feeling of a lot of RPGs and JRPGs, right? You have like the rival character, you have the happy-go-lucky main character, and then you have like the love interest slash heart of the team, right? Fuse that with like, you know, the hardship and the um, overcoming adversity stories that you kind of find in a lot of Disney movies, mm-hmm. and you have a recipe for success. Um, because, you know, that's essentially what a lot of JRPG stories are about. You know, it's relatively similar. Okay, so... I get that. That totally absolutely makes sense to me. So then is it like because that's almost like too easy just to put those components in together and just like you have success like like you kind of just said, do they have to then go like complicate the crap out of it by throwing in like <laughs> like the story is incomprehensible and like the twists and the turns yeah. and the timelines and dimensions and everything else. It's like yeah. it was all too easy because you've got these cute mm-hmm. characters and like these perfect character archetypes and everything like that. Like and so, like, my, my my fascination with it, just as an, like, outside looking in, mm-hmm. is that people see through and they get over all the complicated stuff. And they do, like, everybody I talked about Kingdom Hearts, and it's, I feel like it's the same about games like Pokemon and things like that, where mm-hmm. people boil it down to, like, to its elements, to its core elements. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're able to do, but also, like, not totally get distracted by everything <laughs> else that is very much in your face. Like, they'll spend a tremendous amount of time on everything that should be kind of taking you away and distracting you from those core elements. And they, mm. they still manage to stick. And I don't, I can't, that part, I can't wrap my head around. That is so meta because I can wrap yeah. my head around like the first part, but I can't wrap my head around people wrapping their head around the other thing. Now mm. I'm going to start getting a nosebleed. I think. No, oh no, <laughs> I think I guess, that's going to happen. I, I think that the easiest way that I could do it is. So the comparison I'll kind of make is that, um, I came from, uh, or I come from a big family. I have three younger brothers, right. And uh, as similar and as like, as similar as we could be growing up, right? We all had extremely different interests, right? right? I was like the stereotypical, like sort of nerdy, artsy kid. You know, my brother was a stereotypical jockey kid. You know, my third brother was like that very social butterfly kind of guy. And then my fourth brother was like a huge math person, right? Mm-hmm. And we would all come together during like some moments of like, oh, we'll watch a movie together and we'll all kind of resonate with some ideas in the movie. And then we would kind of separate off and kind of do our own thing. And I remember distinctively, I was like watching some sort of anime, like when I was 13 or something. And my brother was like doing either homework or watching a baseball game on on some other TV in the house. And I just looked at him and I was like, I don't get it. Like, wh- why do you like this thing? And yeah. he's like, well, I don't get like, what? Are you, why are you watching that cartoon for? Yeah. And I'm like, and then that like clicked in my head is that like, as similar as all of us are, even my brothers, right, we're biologically extremely similar. Like we look like twins almost all of us. Mm-hmm, but like, mm-hmm. it just so happens that like, there's something 
innately in your mind where like some things resonate, whether that be like, oh, I'm good at something. So I resonate with that, like with sports or something or like, oh, you have a certain personality type, like, oh, you're more empathetic. So you feel more for certain characters in certain media. So that draws you to that or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's just it seems completely random because I think to a certain degree it is kind of random. Like you yeah. just get onto random things. And that's kind of it's what if you're willing to put up with more random, goofy, distracting stuff in media that you adore than you are with media that you're kind of meh about. You know what I mean? You know what? That was probably like the best and most clear way to just say like, you just like what you like. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's just like, yeah. and, and that's really what it boils down to. But like, I think everybody should really think about like the things that, that they're just naturally inclined to like, like, why am I obsessed with podcasts? Like, I don't know. Like I didn't even, like, I used to make fun of my dad for listening to like talk radio NPR. and like, top yeah. speed, top, not top speed. I only, if he could listen, I always, I always wonder if he could listen to it faster. I wonder if he would, but he just listens to it like very loud. Like he would pull up mm. to the house and is like 1978 Volkswagen rabbit. Right. <laughs> with like, full blast talk radio i'm like i just don't i don't get it but then you kind of maybe maybe that's why i like podcasts though maybe it's like somewhere like it's deeply rooted or maybe there's a some sort of genetic inclination for it as well but we I all mean, have that might, thing i be yeah like my dad you talk about your dad and that kind of got a flashback in me is that um my mom and my dad are both like master communicators right like yeah. My, my mom raised four kids and then like took care of all of our friends. Right. So she very much is this like empathetic mediator person. My dad is like a business guy who, you know, kind of came up in the eighties the and nineties in New York. Right. Like you got to be able to talk your way out of crazy situations if that's your job. Right? <laughs> yeah, no and, doubt. And, and it just became like talking and communicating just became a part of my life because literally when you live in a house with six other people or whatever mm -hmm. like if you don't communicate you won't get dinner you won't you know what i mean you won't <laughs> they forget you won't you're there the bathroom. yeah i mean seriously sometimes yeah. when you have a bunch of stuff like that going on in my house right um but and that just becomes i think a part of it like i i have so many friends that grew up as like um only children right that like had very calm relaxed houses mm -hmm. that like were really drawn to like i have a friend um, his name's arvid he was one of the guys that i went to design school with and he's like a savant like he he knows uh, how to absorb information so quickly and he's able to kind of use that to make really good designs and yeah. I asked him I was like how do you like how and he's like well I read a lot and I'm like how and he's like are you asking me how I read and yeah. I'm like yeah and he's like you're a you're you're 20 plus years old you don't know how to read I'm like I never <laughs> do you think and I, he like has met my parents and seen my house growing up I was like do you think that there was ever a good time in my childhood where I could just sit alone in a room and read that wasn't an option yeah. and he's like huh that's crazy because we had like my dad's office had a library that I would just sit on and it would just be quiet for, for hours. And I was like, mm -hmm. didn't have the opportunity. But How many rooms kind of, did you guys have growing up? Like, did you all have your same room or were you like all like in like the bunk bed situations or what? I, we were in bunk beds until I was like maybe in high school, like until I was like oh, 14. Maybe. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. Like, through the formative years, man. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah. Like through the yeah. reading years, like really yeah. like learning how to read like you're holy cow. Like we were. There was uh, up until uh, my sister's maybe two is when like they, my parents like they, they moved into the, into the house that we lived like that we grew up in when my mom was pregnant with my younger brother. And mm. they're like, that's it. Like we wanted they moved out of this <laughs> tiny little like shack um, mm. and they moved into their like their forever home or whatever. Mm. And then they like accidentally had a fourth kid after that. And they're like, son of a bitch. Like this house isn't big enough. This was supposed to be it. And so we, um, there, there's three boys in one room. My older brother and I were in bunk beds and then my younger brother was on his own bed. And then my sister, when she came, she had her own kind of room. And 
they're got to a point where they're like, we got to bust down this wall and like add more to this house, which is, yeah. I don't know. It was, it's kind of like those things that you realize when you grow up, you're like, well, this is, this is obviously normal because it's just happened to us. Right. Yeah. But you like, nobody does Not that. Kids. Like literally, yeah. I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody who's like, yeah, um, everybody just kind of moved their beds into the family room or wherever the TV is. And they just added on a quarter of the house onto the top oh, right hand side of the, of the house. Dude, it's so crazy that you say that because literally the exact same thing happened. Shut We're up. Not kidding. There, so we had an attic at the time that had like a but it was literally unlivable. It was just like a storage unit, essentially. No and way. When we got older. Yeah. When we got older, my um, my the nursery that my youngest brother was in. Um, that essentially was like a nursery because we were, my parents were having kids like every four ish years. So like by the time I was, I think eight, my youngest brother was born. So that was his nursery up until I turned like 13 and then he was old enough to be in the bunk bedroom. And then that's when I, that became my room. And then they were like, Oh, the kids are becoming too rowdy now because Ian doesn't live in the same room Mm -hmm. and there's no, there's not a de facto babysitter there anymore. So now we have to figure out something else. And then that attic got completely like demolished, renovated into two separate rooms for my younger brothers who got that room when they turned like 13 or 12 or whatever. Yeah, no kidding. Holy crap, man. Well, yeah, you're all kind of like growing up in the same in the same space and everything. And like for me, like it, it made me like I feel like there's almost two different reactions that you can have when you have a, a, a big household or like a lot of people in in maybe close quarters. Like I was quiet. Like I was and that's sort of like I, and I think it surprises a lot of people that I do this. Where like, Mm -hmm. how about I sit down with somebody and like fill an hour and a half? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's how the heck is that even possible? Maybe it's just like this making up for lost time and lost like Mm. conversation and things where I just never really felt like it's my turn, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like somebody else had more important things or better things to say. Like I better like I I, I'm patient. I can just sit here as long as nobody's calling me out of my resting bitch face. I'm totally good, man. It's kind it's, of the same way now, honestly. It's, it's so funny that you say that because that, that brought like a story to the front of my head. Uh, I got married this past year um, and my dad was like introducing me to a bunch of his like old business associates or whatever. And in my head, kind of like what I assume you think of yourself, you're like, I, I think that I'm a very social talkative kind of guy. Right. And, you know, that's not that wasn't the case at home. Like I was like, again, like in my own room when I got it and I was like drawing or, you know, like, trying to read or like do homework or keep up with stuff or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, my dad brings me over and he's got like this Italian accent or whatever. He's like, he's like oh, this is my oldest son, Ian. You know, he's the one getting married. You know, he's, uh, <laughs> you know, he's a good kid. You're pretty quiet, shy, kind of teach to himself. He's a good kid. And he like, kind of pats me on the back and like has me shake hands or whatever. And like, m- like it was almost like a like that sound that like when a stun grenade goes off in a Call of Duty game mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, the like ringing this, in the like, ears. Yeah, I was like, is that, am I that? And I like ran to my wife after that interaction. I was like, am I quiet and reserved? And she's like, I don't know. I don't, you have your moments, but I don't think so. And I was yeah. like, huh. And like, then you think about it, like you just said, like you have like a microcosm of your personality with your family. And mm-hmm. then you have like the personality that you cultivate based off of like where you grew up, right? Like, and that's, I think the same exact thing happened to me is that like I, my parents and my family all think that I'm like this very shy reserved keeps to themselves sort of guy but like all my friends are like ian does not stop talking he's always doing crazy ideas he's getting himself injured by climbing on things like <laughs> but like, i'm the reserved person in my family yeah. So. yeah and if only like you could just like get a word in whenever you're around ian like my god if you could just like <laughs> maybe wait for a breath so you can like insert yourself Mm-mm. into the conversation so do you find man this is I feel like we we kind of had a similar thing happen the last time that we chatted. It's like, are we the same the same person? Like, <laughs> so so with that, I'm going to test this theory a little bit. Like, do Let's you do, do you feel like 
do you feel uncomfortable in your own skin in your like when you're around your family for that reason that oh. like there's almost like competing personalities or are you like back to your like a version that you're actually comfortable with or like how does that jive out because i'm i'm wrestling with that big time yeah that's a good question honestly like and i think it varies right like yeah. i think when you come from a big family like inherently whether you like it or not like it's not a malicious thing but like clicks or like different relationships sort of form like yeah. Like, for example, like I'm uh, I would like to think that I'm very similar to my mom. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that I'm a very like, you know, empathetic, communicative sort of person. And my dad, you know, he's got a little he's rough around the edges. Right. I love him. He's a good guy, but he's a little rough around the edges. So like mm -hmm. whenever sort of conflict arises, I think that we have a diametrically opposed sort of way of, uh, of viewing how to solve a problem. Yeah. Uh, and that can kind of sometimes tends to like, you know, have us get, you know, our heads bumping into each other. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But when I'm with my youngest brother, Noah, and my mom, like, I think all of us are on the same wavelength, right? And yeah. I'm like, hey, well, let's do this, this, and this. Do you need my help? Are you good? All right, perfect. Whereas my older, or sorry, my younger brother, Zach, my, the brother underneath him, Harrison, and my dad, they all resonate on the same wavelength. And they all kind of talk in, like, the very, like, um, not aggressive. Like, there are type A's, and we're all type B's. Gotcha. Um, so I think that, you know, based off of the situation, um, I think that, like, when different pairings are together, I can kind of feel that way. Like mm -hmm. when it's like all the like the tough boys and then me, I'm kind of like sitting back like, yeah, I'll do I'll do whatever, man. It's cool. But like when it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, man. my youngest brother, my mom, I'm like, guys, come on, stop. And like I can feel my real personality come out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't think I've ever really struggled with it because I think that like there's a term. Um, well, you just moved for, to Japan. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And like that definitely helped. Uh, I call Japan like my second home, not because I lived there for a long time, but because I was kind of able to come into my own as a person. Right. Yeah. I was like 24, I think 23, 24 ish or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you know, away from my big family for the first time in a long time. And like, you know, it was a place where like no matter what I did, I didn't know anybody. I knew one person on the continent. So yeah. there's nobody that I can embarrass. There's nobody that I have to like kind of answer to if I get into a problem. Like, and it was like this freeing situation. Um, but like growing up of like the kid of two immigrants, right? Like my mom's side is from Ireland and Scotland and stuff like, you know, and then my, um, my dad's side is like from Russia and the middle East or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like, I just between the different personalities and languages and affect and understanding, like I was code switching so much growing up that like being able to switch from, you know, OK, I'm speaking Hebrew with my aunties at this event. And then we're driving straight to my mom's side of the family. And now I have to learn how to speak Polish. And and, you know, like I have to like learn all these other things or whatever. I have to eat completely different food and like, oh, OK, well, it's this month. So we're celebrating Hanukkah and Easter or we're, we're doing like, you know, we're doing a Polish holiday. This, you know, like. It yeah. became a norm to me. And I think that, you know, it, it's just a byproduct of where I grew up is that it was just natural. You know, it was natural to feel unnatural. I, I guess if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, there's a bunch that, to unpack there. So, like, there's, like, this. Because I, I do sense, like, this struggle with you, too, to find, like, this like this groove, right? But you'll, but you actually don't want it. Like there, that, there, that there maybe seems to be, like, a comfort to be found with just, like, can I just, like, focus? But that's actually not what you want. And it's not, not probably not what's going to happen either. It's mm -hmm. like, cause it's so like, it's the, um, what's his name? Oh my God. Face mask from Bane. Like you're, mm. you're born in it. Like, it's just like, how do you, <laughs> you're probably not going to escape it. And it's also like, I've, I've heard you kind of talk about like that part of your identity as well. Like that you're the son of two, two immigrants. Like how, is there anything else that like comes to mind when you think about like your identity and how, uh, 
like when you when it comes to your parents being immigrants like why does that continue to come up do you think um so that's that's a that's a deep question i think and i think that there's like so many layers to it um my, my, i think that my if i had to like look back at my entire life and like break it down i think that like it's if i had to like sum it up into one sentence it's the beauty of the dichotomy yeah. right and i think that you know my parents got together like talking about the parents part of the immigrant stuff like my parents got together in a time where um you know, being an Irish Catholic lady and like, you know, a very secular Jewish guy, like it wasn't necessarily, you know, celebrated in that community, even in like mm -hmm. a town that I thought was very progressive. Right. Like it, both of my parents' families were like not into it at all, like zero yeah. percent. Um, and like, you know, it was this kind of not Romeo and Juliet type thing, but it was kind of like, well, forget it. Like we like each other. Like we're going to keep it going. Cause that's what we want. Right. Right. Um, you know, very, it's ironic because like Irish people, and Jewish people are very stereotypically known for being very stubborn in our in-groups, right? So it became a thing where like they were both so stubborn with one another that they refused to let anyone else tell them no. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how they got together. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm born in June. I'm a Gemini, right? Like, and the whole joke with that is that like every, if you read any horoscope, it's like, you know, di dichotomy of like, oh, you know, very empathetic, but then also quick to anger or whatever. And like, I right. always kind of took that to heart growing up. Um, because that's kind of just how my family was. That's how, that's how it was for me. Like, again, I said before, like bouncing from holiday to holiday and like, you know, learning multiple languages and like, you know, doing all the sort of like history of like, oh, well, you know, Irish immigrants during this part of us history, or obviously, you know, we have like the Holocaust with Jewish people or whatever. And it was, it was just this interesting, you know, bouncing back and forth code switching sort of situation mm -hmm. and, you know, learning, I didn't learn this until I was an adult, obviously. Um, but you know, I was diagnosed with ADHD as, as an adult, as like a 25 year old guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, I had only gone to get diagnosed because my wife is a psychologist. Right. Right. And it was this thing where like that, my, my disorder, right. Is kind of diag is, um, is sort of a dichotomy between hyper focus and you know, dissociation. Total distraction. Yeah, exactly. And it's like this thing where like, yeah, no wonder my entire life feels like this weird bouncing back and forth because like genetically, you know, the chemicals in my brain just make that the norm. Right. Yeah. Um, so does that mean when yeah. you say that like that it's the norm? Like, is that because I'm trying to like, I don't know why I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by you on a number of levels. Again. <laughs> um, like, that's not even just like, I, I, I love listening to you on OK Beast and everything that you've ever created. I just I, I love your take on on pretty much everything in the world. And it leads me to Thanks, be just overall, like, totally fascinated by you. <laughs> so what, I, what I'm trying to maybe get around to here is like, mm. is there is is there like a an equivalent to like a resting heart rate? Like, is there a is there a comfort level that like is either achieved through like all doing all the things like all the multitasking, all the multitasking going from this thing to the next to the next? Is that comfort or is there a striving to like be at peace and ease where there's there's nothing or or something like that? Like, mm -hmm. where is and this is sort of like I'll maybe try to create a bit of an analogy here where mm. um, when it comes to like introverts and extroverts, right? Well, like where do you get your mm. energy from or where do you recharge? Like I get I think this surprises some people, but I get my recharge from being alone and like mm. planning and plotting and like some might say <laughs> scheming. But like mm. like mm. I get my, my my energy from that and extroverts get their energy by being through other people. But where does somebody with ADHD get their comfort? Like where do they mm. where are they at ease? 
or That's you a good at least. Maybe question. don't speak on behalf. Yeah. On the ADHD council. Yeah, I exactly. Speak behalf <laughs> I'm of glad us. I have um, you here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it varies, man. I mean, like, that's kind of the beauty of it, right? Um, like, my, my wife is, uh, like, always fascinated about, like, where my behavior sort of continuum is, right? Because it feels like, you know, it just depends on the day. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it also depends upon where you're comfortable, I guess. Um, my wife is a huge Disney head. She loves going to Disney parks and, like, running around and stuff like that. Um, but you know, with someone, uh, where she's married to someone who has ADHD and like a a facet of that can be, you know, being easily overwhelmed. Right. Right. And like, you know, bright lights, tons of people, tons of noises, tons of sounds like, Mm -hmm. you know, with someone who has, um, you know, a lack of executive function, meaning like an ability to control exactly what you're, you know, sort of thinking or or focusing on, you know, a a theme park literally is hell. Like, like, and I don't say that as like hyperbole, it's literally like, it's okay. Well, I'm talking to someone and then you hear like a sound behind you of like Mickey talking and then you hear uh, or you smell something over here that's 100 yards away. Mm-hmm. And like you see like literally everything in Disney is like a bright light. Right. And and I had to have this deep conversation with her of like, you know, I was getting these like crazy anxiety attacks going to Disney that I never felt growing up. Oh, wow. Right? And I was like, I don't like it here. And she was like, why, you know, it's so fun or whatever. And it was like, no, like, yeah, I see that it's fun for you. And I, I, I resonate with that. And I know that it's cool. And there are parts of it that I do like. And I, I started to like get frustrated because I couldn't uh, like equivocate or like uh, talk about what was bothering me. And then we went to like a darker theme ride or something. It was like an, an indoor log flume. And mm-hmm. I took a deep breath and I was like, oh, thank God. I'm just going to close my eyes for a second. And yeah. I just like reset, I guess. Like a sensory deprivation tank is basically oh, what that ride is about. A hundred percent. And, yeah. you know, to circle back to the original question, um, you know, as much as I love being high energy and like, you know, these manic sort of side of me that is like more well known on the internet, um, mm-hmm. like I've find more, I, like my center, my peace is at night when there's no one around, it's quiet, it's dark, like where I can, you know, more and readily task. I focus. Exactly. My, and it's funny because my, my wife and I joke about it all the time. Um, we, we recently had to move back and forth between these two apartment buildings as our house flooded. And, you know, she, it was the middle of the day and she's like, okay, she's a very like middle of the day morning ish person. And she's like, okay, I'm going to start moving stuff. And I was like, I just can't right now. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. what, what do you mean? And like, we have this discussion about it and she's like, well, I'm going to do it until I'm too tired. And I'm going to go to sleep. She goes to sleep at like 5 PM because she's knocked out. She's super tired. Mm-hmm. Cut to Literally three o'clock in the morning, we have about 50% left of the stuff. I spend an hour, I put a, like my noise canceling headphones on and I move everything by myself mm-hmm. and I go to sleep at like four in the morning, wake up a couple hours later and she's like, wait, you did all this by yourself? I'm like, yeah. And she's yeah. like, why would you just help me during this time? I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. do it. Um, and I think that's just kind of a, a facet of like, you know, any sort of disorder or mental illness is that like there, you need to find somebody in your life that, you know, is okay with the answer of, I can't. That's just mm-hmm. how it is. And, you know, having that dialogue either or even ha- either having that understanding of like, hey, this is where I'm coming from and or having that dialogue after the fact. Right. That's how you uh, kind of can build a safe space or like a comfortable place for someone who is going through something that you're not necessarily going through. You know yeah. I mean? Well, and I'm yeah. And I, I it's, I'm not just trying to like put a like a Sally Shawnshine, as I've been told, like a <laughs> like a spin on it or anything. Mm, um, yeah. But it, like you know, when you talk about it as like a, as a, as a mental illness or anything like that, like it almost, I think it just depends on kind of like the way that you look at it because like mm. depend, like sounds like you are extremely productive, 
right? Like it sounds like what <laughs> like when you were in like if it's just a matter of like what is normal and comfortable for some people. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah. if it was normal and comfortable for you to have the task, work from you know the late the late hours, put on the noise canceling headphones. Like, I'm not sure. I know I'm just mostly just trying to challenge the the notion of like is that illness or is that like the secret superpower where it's like you know you just take the kryptonite out of the room and all of a sudden you're (laughs) able to like fly higher and stronger and dodge bullets and things like that like i don't know it's It's, i think it's it's super fascinating because yeah you're obviously incredibly intelligent and handle like and (laughs) absorb and you're able to communicate complex ideas in ways that connect with people and i think Mm. like there's a lot to it and it's Mm. like yeah there is something that like there is a struggle with it right Mm. but it's almost like the great power great responsibility yeah. kind of thing that like yeah. yeah there's 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 abilities that come along with it that yeah, yeah some people might kill for that they would really <laughs> like maybe not literally like i'm just coming off the last of us by the way so like, oh, okay, everything's yeah. like K- killing just is dark. on the mind yeah. just don't yeah it's just everything's revenge <laughs> yeah. and yeah hatred oh but, good golly well it's, yeah. it's funny that you mentioned the superpower thing because you know growing up like we talked about childhood and like sort of the difference between different brothers and, and personality types or whatever um, so I have a younger brother that, um, he has, um, something similar to ADHD. It's called executive function disorder. Um, right. and it, it has a lot of the similar, um, sort of symptoms. And, you know, he and I would always get into these things where, you know, he has something, he has like essentially the shitty parts of ADHD without the hyper focus. Right. Yeah. So like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm giggling here. Cause I'm picturing like you guys having like a showdown, like a Marvel versus Capcom thing. <laughs> oh, and it's God. like all the ADHD kids are over on this side and like whatever else. <laughs> They're going to yeah. come down to this final oh. showdown. Well, no, yeah. ironically enough, it wasn't a showdown. Like we actually like got each other more than anybody because again, oh, so you're like, pairing up. So you'd be a great yeah. pair, like a trio exactly. or something. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's funny because so like everyone knows like the most famous person with ADHD is Michael Phelps. Right. And he talks about all these stories when during the Olympics, like a couple of years ago uh, about how like, you know, his ADHD kind of helped him hyper focus when he was able to kind of get into these moments of like, you know, being in the zone during swimming or whatever. Big time. Um, and that's kind of where my brother and I kind of that was this Venn diagram kind of smashing together. Mm-hmm. You know, I swam in high school where parts of my dif- dysfunction with ADHD were like the hardest and he played baseball. And yeah. like we were talking one day in the living room and like we had a very similar story of like being in the zone and we looked at each other like, huh? Yeah, and we pointed at each other like, wait, is there something going on with you, too? And like we had this moment where we didn't we couldn't verbalize it at a time, but like we knew something was going on. And then he that's got tested cool. for um, executive functioning. And then I was, I didn't get tested until I was an adult. Um, yeah. I'm about to sneeze and I'm, I'm trying to hold it in as best I get. Just push right up against <laughs> that nose, man. Be, oh, there it is. It, it came anyways. That's okay. It gives um, me, a, it gives me a quick chance to, I wanted to ask you a little bit. Mm, if it's okay. To, yeah. I want, um, you know, I, my wife is a, is a photographer and she's into video games and she checks off like a tremendous number of boxes for me. Obviously uh-huh. I married her, right? Like yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think, I think people should, especially if you plan on having kids, like having a professional photographer in the house, really good. If you mm-hmm. plan on making like video game content and like you want to play video games a lot, marrying a total dork is like mm. advice. Mm. If you happen to have some sort of mental illness, I have to imagine that marrying somebody with that sort of background Mm. also very helpful and i've definitely oh, yeah. i've walked out of um session, sessions with my counselor and psychologist of like i wish everybody spoke to me like that like not even just spoke mm. to me in that sort of way but like understood or took that pause or just like could explore ideas without like jumping to a solution and so i don't know it maybe it's similar to having like a massage therapist as a wife or like mm. is she always giving you like a back rub or <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Like, or is she always like psychoanalyzing you or helping you through, or is it just helpful in general? Like, what mm. type of person that tends to be and how yeah. they approach conversation? I think it's it's funny because that that question has been posed to us a lot. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, I, I I make it very well known that like you know I'll, like we'll be on vacation with somebody like before everything happened in the current day, and like I'll be hey honey do you like do you have my pills or do you have this or whatever? Like I'm not like shy about like telling people what's going on and yeah. like. You know, to be frank, when people meet me the first time, like when I was growing up and even as an adult, they're like, you got you got something going on and or you yeah. have a drug problem. Something's going on, bud. Mm -hmm. um, so like we're not shy about saying like what we're we're going through or whatever. Um, and, you know, early on, like it didn't really come up because I also have a degree in psychology. Um, so it was a sort of win win where like we both understood we had the vocabulary to kind of speak more deeply on like things we were going through yeah. right um, initially. And then as you know, we moved in together and, you know, we, we moved across the world together. You know, I, I was really going through it when I moved back to the U S with her. And I was like having these like moments of like, just not even like hyper focus. And then a little bit of focus. It was like, I couldn't focus on anything. I was going through mm -hmm. it like a deep thing. And she's like, babe, I think you might have, you know, something more than just, you know, this, that, or the third. And I was like, well, yeah, maybe like, let me go and talk to somebody. And even just having someone who is, you know, who is open to that idea and like encourages that I think is more than enough. Like, I don't think that you need necessarily to have like a therapist partner to kind of get through those hard moments. But I think that yeah. just having, especially as a man, right? Like, and this is like a microcosm, I think of like the shitty toxic masculinity culture, I think is that yeah. I've, I dated a girl in college that, was a nurse and she very much was the type of person who was like very, you know, stereotypical, like men have to act this way and can't do this or can't do that. And I was like kind of bummed by that mm -hmm. because I needed help and she wasn't the type of person that was available in that way. Right. You know, cut to my wife who is like, Hey, I'm going through something. And she's like, Oh, okay, well let me listen. Let's figure out what we can do. Right. And like, you know, if not, if it's not something that I can help you as a wife, let's get you a therapist, right? Right. Um, and I think that's the something that I've had to kind of pull pull back on with her, um, because and like my thoughts are being scattered now. But like you're married, right? And mm -hmm. I think that as a partner, you want to be as available as humanly possible, right? Yeah. Um, especially as a husband, right? Like I think the the positive aspect of that toxic masculinity culture is like this idea that men should always be available, always they are the universal helper, I think, right? Mm -hmm. But that kind of develops this sort of negative side to that where you're like, oh, well, if I'm the universal helper, who's helping me? Right. You know, um, and, and it gets to be this situation where you need to know your own limitations, both as a partner and as like a human being individual. Yeah. yeah. And we had this conversation during the quarantine of like, I was going through a lot of things, tons of changes were happening. I couldn't you know, find those private moments because we were all indoors. Right. Um, and, you know, my wife, as she's very intelligent and she saw it like two weeks ahead of time, she's like, listen, I think that you're not getting the stress relief that you need. I think that we're both going to get to a point where we're going to get way too stressed out. How about you start seeing a therapist? And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, like I need to like, let's figure this out. Let me figure out the best way to do it. Um, yeah. And then now here we are. Like, I think I've been seeing my therapist for like two months now. And yeah, good for like, you. yeah. And like, again, it's a thing where like the joke that always gets said when people find out that my wife is is um, in that field, right? It's like, oh man, you must be saving so much money. I'm like, nah, definitely oh, not. Yeah. That's I what I mean. Like, therapist, you know what I mean? Like, I got exactly. my own shit going on. 
Yeah. Well, and it's it's a difficult like I think even any like the the point of I think psychology in some cases is like that that person is completely disconnected to everything else. Right. Exactly. Or at least that, that's been my experience with it, that the, that's been like the positive for me is that like we often talk about how like um, where in some cases like she was I was talking about a friend, a mutual friend of, of ours, my wife and I like we have a friend who um, was exploring the options of of going to see somebody. And I and I mentioned this to to my psychologist and she's like, I just need to really consider whether or not that's too close to you in terms of like I, like I, I need mm. a certain number of like degrees of separation so that mm. I'd never like bias one person over the other mm-hmm, or bring mm-hmm. any of that to it. So it's like, how could like your wife ever bring that? Like if she's got, it's almost like a code of ethics or like an mm. approach to it. Like she would never be able to like truly be a, like, like a, like a third party mm. because like you walk out of that conversation. So it's more just, I think, yeah, to your point, like it's, it's more about just being open to that and mm. knowing what you need and when you need and where to like direct you to that versus like there's to the whole point of us be like at the beginning like what about like with technology like what do you do if you don't even know Mm. like if when something is broken like yeah how do you figure out what how to fix it and that's why i'm so lucky that i have that degree right i i have the i i don't have as much pride i think as like other people in my family and i definitely have the verbiage to equivocate like oh hey i'm feeling x i need to do y and unfortunately, yeah. a lot of a lot of men in like our generation and before us not only don't are unwilling and too prideful to understand the emotions that they're actively going through. They're also unwilling to understand that there is a you know, there is a troubleshooting that you need to go through that is available to you if you want it. Right. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I mean, to and to circle back real quick to um, something that I just thought of. Right. Is that, you know with the the therapist thing and with your partner, right? Kind of like what I was saying before is that you want to be available, right? You want to be a good partner, but I think there is, there's a certain line and the line is different for everybody. And it's very interesting Mm -hmm. to even talk about it, right? Even as someone in our relationship, my wife and I, we both have degrees in psychology, right? So the, the line is especially blurred for us because it's like, at what point are you a partner? And at what point are you a therapist, right? At what Mm -hmm. point is it rude to say, honey, I love you, but I'm not your therapist. Right. Mm -hmm. And, like that's that's a weird blurry ass line, man. Like yeah. you don't know where that line is is existing or where it should exist. What's the and like what do you talk about that after dating for a year? You're like, well, I really love you. I care about you. I'm, I want to be in here for the long haul. All right. Here's the 10 things that if you start talking about, <laughs> you need to go see somebody. Right. Because It's not a broken yeah. arm. Like mm-hmm. you can't just be like, well, like and even if it was like even it was as a easily diagnosable thing like even with my ADHD which is a biological byproduct of a lack of a chemical in my brain right it, yeah the line is hella blurred of like oh well I took my pills today I've slept well but I'm going through this thing that is a byproduct is a symptom of what I'm going through at what point is that my responsibility my therapist or psychiatrist's responsibility and then at what point is it like relationship dysfunction it's Again, it, yeah. it's a hard it's a hard sort of line to to kind of go across, and it's 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 interesting to think about. Yeah, it, it it absolutely is, and it almost seems like every single day is a is it's a new day, but it's also like let's it's almost like a new set of problems. So the whole mm. like witness kind of comparison of like how do we how do we problem solve through through this, knowing kind of all the prior experiences that we have and what we've oh. learned so far together. It's like how do we tackle like this next like phase of life and everything? But that's. How, a genius. I'm sorry, just to say that you're that's a genius comparison, because I think that the first thing that we said in the beginning was, is that it's not a puzzle because puzzles give you all the available information, right? Life, yeah. 
it truly is problem solving. Life does not mm -hmm. give you the puzzle pieces required. You need to create them half the time. Right. And yeah. I think that that's where like, you know, self-actualization and self-understanding come into play, right? Like I don't have the emotional wherewithal to deal with X or Y problem at the age of like, I don't know, let's say like 15 or something. So yeah. you need to air quotes, grow up and develop those emotional tools to deal with that problem, right? Like it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And it's like, it is a learn as you go, like build a plane while you're flying it kind of thing. And it's, it's crazy because you basically depart any sort of like formal training. Like mm. after most people do it, after, like after grade school, some people go like, like, uh, like after that, they go college and things like that. But like, there's so much that happens like after 20 mm. that like nobody tells you about, like, it's mm -mm. just something that just continues mm. to come up. And I just feel mm -mm. like, how do we, how do we address this? Like, I think there's, there, it's been well documented. Like schools could teach kids a lot about like how to open a bank account and like, mm. how to do your taxes, like those sort of like functioning adult kind of things. But there's also like, there's a lot more that just is, and I'm sorry to say, it's just very natural. Like there's, there's a point in time where you're not going to be hanging out with your high school buddies anymore. There's mm. a point in time when if you are uh, fortunate enough to be hanging out with your high school buddies, 15, 20 years afterwards, mm. um, their parents will pass away. Yeah. Like there are some really hard and dark things that, that happen that it's just like, and I'm not really sure exactly like what could prepare anybody for mm. those things, but you you do get hit with them and depending you're you're it's almost like a it's a D, &D dice roll of like mm. how much like i don't even know is there durability a, a emotional dur attribute? psychic like, damage or something yeah, yeah like how much like how much block ability do i have to mm. withstand this blow as they as they come up like what have i how have i attributed my character growing mm. up is really the best way to do it because i don't know that there's i don't know that there's a course or a book or anything that you can really read to be Prepared. to be built and prepared for for life because it's just like once it starts happening it's like holy crap and it's yeah. and it's hard and it and it pushes back so maybe it's a reframing of how we even approach day to day it's like is this a turn-based strategy game or is it a action <laughs> exactly. based like it all comes together man. it's a full circle and it's funny that you mentioned that because as you're saying that like i have i, I was like having flashbacks to my life because i would like to think of all the things that I've gone through and all like the crazy wacky things that I've kind of done throughout my life, I would like to think that I'm I'm able to navigate those waters from a like intellectual perspective. And I mm -hmm. was like, how is that? What like what basis or framework or class or whatever did I take that allowed me to think that way? Um, Kingdom Hearts. Definitely Kingdom Hearts 101, the, the and four hour YouTube video and Pokemon. I mean, mm -hmm. you, say, you say that and like we said it both as a joke, but like a lot I'm of I'm not saying it as a joke. Media, I'm not at yeah, all. I, a lot of even kids a media bit. did pre prep me for a lot of that stuff. But like it's Big funny time. that like I, I wasn't even thinking about it from that perspective, but I was thinking that I, I rag on religion all the time as a joke with like Alex and I and like other friends that I know are very deeply in the faith. Right. But I went to like to Hebrew school and I learned Hebrew until I was like 18 years old. Right. Like, until I was a full adult. Um, mm -hmm. And like one of the earliest classes I remember as a kid that I took was a an ethics class. I think it was like maybe eight when I learned about ethics in religious yeah. school. Standard grade three kind of stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. very like but like we're <laughs> it was nuts to, to like look. No, back it at is that nuts. Moment. That's total being facetious. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely like, insane. And like it's it's funny that like I think it's very like especially now with like everything that's been going on today, both in the world and like and what will be going on in the world in the future. Like, I think that it's more important now. It's now more than ever to like introduce these concepts super, super early and force kids to like 
question everything um, because does that raise does that create very annoying children as an annoying child? Yes, that does create a very <laughs> annoying kid because you start asking questions about the most benign things. Um, but it's a good kid. It's a yeah. good. It's a kid who knows the difference between like right and wrong. And you're right. I think that as people in general, I think just I, I think there's just actually there's got to be numbers behind this. I feel like I'm not making this up, but like on mass, people are departing religion. They're departing dogma and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so there's this disconnect of like there you're and I and I'll kind of poke at it a little bit like and ask challenging questions i think mm. but at the root of it i i believe in the messages mm. right I, and i and i and i'm really not sure what i think about like a creator or anything mm. like that but i do believe in the in the messages of like do unto others that sort of thing um knowing the difference between right and wrong and that those all can come from the teachings of uh, like organized religion like yeah. there's got to be something good like i know there's other things that are a little bit like questionable mm. but there's got to be things that are good from that and as more and more people kind of depart they, they leave behind and they walk away from like a central meeting a central community mm. a, a teaching of like where else are you going to have that like great uh, like eight-year-old learning about ethics mm. where does that come from and it's we need to find that i think like sooner rather than later because for sure i mean even just today as we're talking like we're finding all these stories coming out about dudes who just clearly don't know the difference between right and wrong yeah i mean you know what i mean yeah 100 percent. and like the thing it's I'm, I'm i'm glad that you're bringing that up too because i think that so with religion right we talked about it that's like a set finite amount of like rules and regulations right like you know, we can get into the history of it and all that like later, but like that's essentially what it was designed to be, right? Separate from like the theology. It's like, hey, here are guidelines for how to treat people, right? Yeah, to be a but, good um, person, that sort e- of thing. Exactly, right? But mm-hmm. the the I think the issue is, right? Uh, the issue with I think I guess the less modern interpretations of of religion is that you have guidelines, right? But then you have the way that the world interprets those guidelines, right? So a I think I would like to think that we're pretty smart guys, right? you get told two plus two equals five, right? In religious mm-hmm. class, we'll say, right? This is a weird analogy, I know. Yep. And then you go no, into I'm the world you. and then you're like, no, two plus two equals four. Yeah. Okay, This the reality is different from what I'm being taught, right? And what I'm trying to say is, is that, yeah, you get taught these things growing up in these religious schools, right? And you get taught these, uh, like you said before, dogma, but you don't get taught a lot of the times like the, um, the philosophy behind it, right? Like, what mm-hmm. does it actually mean to be a good person? Always questioning and never accepting the fact that you are a, you are always striving to be a, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that sense of what I learned the most from being um, a um, modern Jewish person, um, a um, reformed Jewish person, is that my religion especially, and, and the people that I was taught, instilled this in, insane idea of doubt into me, right? Never take anything at face value, even your own emotions, your your ideas, your, like all these other things. Doubt needs to be a core of what you are, because the second you say I am definitively 100 percent a that means that you can't be anything else. You the, the your ability to change and to become better or worse or whatever is is gone. Right. And I think that kind of bleeds into what we're talking about now is that. You know, these guys say, I am a good guy. I'm the best guy. Nothing can ever change that. Or I, I know what I am. I know I'm a leader in this industry. Or I know that I am. I know better, right? I know that I know the best way to do X, Y, or Z. I would never do A. I would always do B. That creates these really shitty situations that we're in right now is that you have these dogmatic organizations that be- that believe and protect these people that don't deserve it, right? 
Yeah. But I think the thing that I, I continue to kind of come back to is is the whole um, don't like don't cast stones. Mm. Right. Like it's it's that it's having that humility to realize that we've all messed up. We've all kind of done mm. wrong. And mm. yet that doesn't really stop us from pointing fingers and and canceling is, I mm. guess, kind of where, I, where I'm at with it all. It's like mm. it's a little bit frustrating because it's like who is perfect? Like there is nobody mm. who's never made a mistake, who's never done anybody wrong. Like you've. And if you think that if you think that you've probably that you've never upset somebody else or done somebody wrong, like really, really take like a dig, mm. good hard look in the mirror. Like you've probably, mm. you know, so there's there is that. And like you were saying before, there's like this di- dichotomy of like you want to be the best like no one ever was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staring at my stupid I, Pokemon I, trainer I, amiibo in the background. I like that. I like that. <laughs> But it is I like and I feel like there is like a lot of uh, messaging in that. Maybe maybe we just need to turn to Pokemon. Like there is I'm, a lot of humility to that. And like you you want to be the best, but like you know that you've got a lot to learn and there's a journey and like it takes friendship and and, no, and bumps along the way. You that, know, there is a lot in there. That's a hundred percent true. I like and so even though I do love Pokemon, and I do those, those sort of things. My favorite and I would like to attribute the majority of my personality to this one series and that's Digimon. Right. And Digimon season one, and I'm not going to like regale the whole season one or whatever, but you find out throughout the show that each kid is like a paragon or an archetype, right? Going back to the Jungian psychology mm-hmm. concept that we were talking about of these different sort of emotional states, right? We have like courage, we have, you know, love and we have intelligence, we have responsibility, we have like all these like abstract concepts, right? Mm-hmm. That these kids are supposed to sort of represent. And when these kids become um, like for example, my favorite character in the show is Joe Kiddo. He's the oldest kid of the of the bunch. He's like the nerdy loser guy, and he's the he is the paragon of responsibility, right? And when you say that out loud, you're like, that might be the lamest superpower or like thing to be in a group ever, right? But I'll never forget this as long as I live. The episode that I love and like really I think solidified me as a person is there's an episode where, you know, he's taking care of the youngest kids and something happens where like the floor of this like haunted house thing, you know, breaks down and he pushes one of the kids out of the way, even though he's horrified and scared. He's like the scaredy cat shaggy of the group or whatever. And like as he's falling, he's thinking he's like, I had to do that. I had to protect these these kids. They're my friends. You know, and if I couldn't do that, no matter how scared I was, what's like, why am I even here? What's the point? I should have just ran away on episode one. And as he's like kind of having this like existential moment of like, come to terms with the fact that, yeah, he's not the coolest one or the smartest one or, you know, the, the heart of the team. But he's like, I'm willing to put myself, you know, second in in regards to other people because I know that's what I have to do. I'm, it's my responsibility. And as he says responsibility, he gets, gets coded in this like dark blue light and like his Digimon Digivolve saves him and then he's able to kind of save the day. Right. And that mm-hmm. taught me growing up, right, that there isn't one best feature to be or not to be like we all are inherently different and those differences are what make you know us great as a group right like you don't have to be the bravest or the main character or whatever like there's beauty and there's you know there's really something awesome in being responsible or intelligent or you know whatever like it's 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 important so so i feel like you guys have recently had this is like the best segue that i've got to call out here ever (laughs) and it totally ruins the segue by doing it but i feel like you guys have had that realization with ok beast that Mm. Like each one of you kind of brings something completely different. Like I don't know that I've ever seen like a trio of people who are so maybe maybe the the, the commonality is that you're all a bunch of white dudes playing video games. That's true. That's true. That might that <laughs> might be the one thing. But like you are so different, and like is that kind of like a 
a conversation that you guys have had recently with, I don't know what to call this new version of OKB. So is it like a, Us either. <laughs> it's, it's not a rising from the ashes because it's not like you burned down or anything, mm-mm, but it's mm-mm. not, it's not the same, mm. but it's like, it's version like 3.0 or I don't know. Who knows, it's, man. At this it's point, the 2020 knows. version, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's just now. Yeah. Like, yeah. So where are you guys at with, with OKBs? Like how, like, I love it. And I've mm. always loved it from day one mm. of even like, let's going back to you and you and blessing mm. just going like, how the hell are these guys doing? Like, it's just the two of them. Like back mm-hmm. then I hadn't heard too many video game podcasts, which is two people. It was always like four dudes around the podcast table, mm-hmm. like four best friends or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of all has all grown from there. So like, how are you guys doing with, with the change? Mm-hmm. And, uh, where do you th- see things going from here, man? That's a good question. Honestly. Um, you know, it's, it's weird being like, you know, a smaller group, right? Just in general, mm-hmm. like, and, and now that we've like interacted with, you know, bigger companies or whatever, like, you know, big companies have like, like this quarter, we're like, like if you're an IGN or if you're a Kotaku or a Polygon or, or what have you, or even a PlayStation, right? Like you have like, well, this quarter we have these three plans and you know, here's our right. creative director who does X, Y, and Z and he's going to mm-hmm. lead us down this path and he has 10 people below him and then those 10 people have 20 people <laughs> below them or whatever, right? Yeah. But it's like, as you would know this, right? Like on the internet, when you're doing your own thing, unless you file for an LLC and you name yourself CEO or whatever, that's just not how it works, right? Like, yeah. And when you do any of this sort of shit or stuff or whatever, um, you know, even if you do it by yourself, you have to become accepting of a certain level of uncertainty, right? Right. That needs to be the norm, right? whether Patreon does a crazy thing about payment where like they'll take X amount or whatever that happened like two years ago or YouTube decides, okay, well, it's the adpocalypse. So now only Pepsi is going to run ads on our thing. So one tenth of the money isn't going to go here or oh, Twitch got bought by Amazon or hey, just talking about today, Mixer exploded. So now you got to go hang out with Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook gaming or whatever. That's right? crazy, dude. That yeah. is actually, man, I'm going to be, I was joking on the Xbox drives feed today. I'm like, well, it looks like it's going to be a light, uh, light news week. Mm-hmm. So, you like summoned it. When you say it's a light news week, that's when things get crazy. No, it was actually, I was being a bit of a, a oh, dink. I was oh, like, no. that, that was my reaction to <laughs> oh, it. Like, well, okay, I guess okay. It looks like it's going to be light on news this week. Like, yep. <laughs> that is, that topic is enormous. And it's mm. like, I think people are like, I be, they're, they're being a little bit simple even at just at the moment of, like, they're just thinking about like the streaming mm. moving over to Facebook, but it's like, there is so, there's always more to it whenever yeah. Facebook is involved and that people know that whether they realize what it is about it, like it gives them that like heebie-jeebie kind of, I don't mm. like this yeah. kind of, kind of feeling. So, but you're yeah. right. I'm, I totally took you off track there, but like, mm. holy cow, that was a total bomb. And, mm. and man, I can't even help myself. <laughs> go like, for it. Please go for it. All these, all these, all these streamers who just got like tens of millions of dollars to sign with Mixer, they're like, you're fully paid out and you're free to do what you want. Ooh. I know this is That's another side, t- side tangent. Do you want to know what I would do? This is this is like where my brain is going in the creative zone. I'm Shroud and I'm Ninja, right? Yeah. I just copped 40 milli, right? Yeah. And I'm known as the guys who left Twitch, right? So hear mm-hmm. me out. Mixer's done, right? Facebook game is doing its own thing. What yeah. if Shroud and Ninja took all the money they got, 50 mil, right? And let's say they get they split their thing down the middle, 25 mil from both of them, and they get like some investors or whatever. They create their own version of Mixer, but like a di- I guess different spin on it, right? And since they are big people in the industry, do you think that there's a scenario in which they could convince like 
two other or three other people to jump ship to their own platform. Like, like let's name it something else or whatever, like maybe a more mobile focused one or, or I don't know. Like, yeah. do you think that like there's any chance that like another thing could come up besides anything? Or do you think that the, the fact that Mixer dis, like depleted is sort of indicative of where we're at in the industry in terms of streaming? Pretty much. Yeah. It's the demolition man. Everything becomes Taco Bell. Like that there is no, there's no space for too many of these things. I think Facebook is a really interesting place that it has gone, but like, it all makes sense to me in that, like how many billions of people are on Facebook and mm-hmm. then you throw, you throw X cloud times Facebook. And mm-hmm. now you've got, you've got the, the competitor you need to stadia times YouTube It's kind of my initial kind of like, this just happened today kind of take on it was youtube's gonna throw like oh you like watching this dude stream this game this assassin's creed game like you want to play you click this button you can play it mm. that's what xcloud is on facebook like they needed a they needed a social media that was or medium i guess that that had that kind of reach and it's like it's all kind of happening all at the same time that i'm almost like ready to quit social media to begin with like mm. it's all just kind of imploding upon itself but and mm. that's where it's kind of scary to me that i guess like you know not not terrifying but it is I just think about it, that Mm. gaming is headed to social media, trying to infiltrate and propagate through like the billions of people who are on Facebook and YouTube to Mm. start. And who knows Mm. where it's going to go from there? Like God knows whatever happens to TikTok or whatever comes after that. But it seems like Facebook and YouTube are like the mainstays, Mm. but they'll be there forever. Uh, Twitter's going to, I think, digest itself pretty soon. (laughs) Like the Ouroboros or whatever. I think so. Mm-hmm. It does. It does feel like that a little. I feel like sometimes, like I wake up and I'm like, oh, it feels like I'm eating my toe. I'm like the, just, the dark much, app has awoken me. But I don't know. Like I, I, it's it is crazy. I don't think that that would that would work. And um, mm-hmm. only because like Mixer basically did that. They they tried to put like the success of that platform on those people, and yeah. it, and it still didn't work. And it, yeah. I think whoever's going to figure this out, they they've got to find that balance of like paying people. And, mm. and treating the people who create the content on there like the champions that they are mm. and trying to, and, it, and I'm not suggesting that that's easy. Like I'm, I don't, mm. I think that's incredibly hard, but I go back to like my old days of selling TVs and getting commission on it. Like I feel like I was very good at it because mm. I was paid very well to do it. Mm. Right. Versus, you know, the guys across the street over at Best Buy, I'm just going to throw shots at those guys. Dang. They didn't make commission. Worst they didn't buy. know nothing. Worst oh, buy. No, I know. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. But that was that was generally like the take of like the guys at Future Shop versus the guys at Best Buy. I was like, we know what we're talking about because we get paid to know what we're talking about. Mm. So if somebody figures out how to how to pay streamers mm. in a way that keeps them and motivates them and like, you know, actually funds the progression of their their content, I think that's probably more important than a couple of names For like sure. the era of like the Michael Jordan is gone. Like you're yeah. not really going to have like that, the pinnacle it's mm. the democratization of all things. Now sure. everybody has a voice. Everybody can be a star. Everybody can be yeah. a thing and yeah. can be enormous in their pocket. And you like travel, you know, 15 down the internet road and people don't even have never heard of that person. It's, like it's, That's the yeah. world that we're in. And it's so funny that you say that, right? Because in that one sentence that you just said, I have like so many things that we could tie back to the original question, right? Yeah. So like the <laughs> which was what it was like a billion years ago. It feels like um, yeah. But but yeah, like so you were saying before about like you know the new OK Beast or whatever. What does that look like, right? And like kind of oh right yeah. yeah. And like what does it look like? And honestly, I don't I don't know, and I don't think we know right now. We're still trying to figure that out. Like it just mm-hmm. so happened that this whole thing happened like at the the beginning of like a crazy global pandemic. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, Alex and I were in his living room 
back in Colorado talking about like what our plans were for the new year. And we like had these crazy plans and like all these like nuts ambitions of like, Oh, let's, we're, we're going to go here and we're going to go there. Like we booked interviews in like my hometown and like, you know, down in Virginia or whatever. And you know, obviously those things didn't work out. Right. But like, that's the least of our worries. Right. But yeah, I, that kind of shifted us into thinking, you know, a little bit differently. And I think that that isn't just felt by us. Like it's felt by everybody in the industry. Um, like, mm-hmm. I mean, even Danny O'Dwyer posted yesterday about like, oh man, like I miss the studio and we might not even have it anymore because we don't need it because of like what's been going on or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, damn, like even he's feeling it. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, even these Titans of the industry or whatever, you know, um, like Danny O'Dwyer's and like, you know, the IGN's the kind of funnies, like it's, it's echoed everywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, you talked before about like the democratization of content, right? Like a- as much as as much as I do feel like that is the case for sure, like anyone can make anything for sure. Um, ironically enough, it doesn't really feel like a democracy. It feels very much like a principality or it feels like, you know, there's the, we don't have Royal families in the U S but we kind of do like, we have like the Bushes and the Clintons or whatever, like these, sure. yeah. these like pseudo Royal families or whatever. And you know, it, it's this weird thing where like, you know, you're told this growing up, but you don't really believe it until you see it. Right. It's all about who, you know, Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I talked about it before with with Khalif Adams um, on a stir fry podcast and also in person. Like we always have this conversation every single time we meet up and it's all about playing the game. Right. And, you know, to some people playing the game turns out to be kind of like the stuff that we're experiencing now. The people that are you know coming out as like abusers and manipulators. Right. Those people see the game as like taking people as objects and using them as sort of social currency. Right. Right. And that was kind of my biggest issue as OKBs kind of became, you know, f- four dudes or five dudes or six dudes or however big we were at the time into kind of what we've slowly become and are becoming. Right. Um, it's this weird feeling of like, you know, what do we want to become? What type of impact do we want to make? And, you know, what does that mean for us as people? Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of becomes this weird thing. And I've talked about it ad nauseum with Alex as well, is that like I feel objectively weird when someone I don't know or I've never met comes up to me or even makes a comment on the podcast saying that I'm funny or that I'm good at what I do or this video is good. And Alex is like, why? Like that's a good, like podcast reviews are a thing, dude. And I'm like, yeah, no, like I do this <laughs> for me. Right. And like, yeah. I don't mean that to be a thing of like, I, like if whenever people do give me a compliment, I am like hyper grateful. I'm like, that's awesome. Like even sure, you sure, as yeah. someone who I know personally, right? Like, like when you say that, you, you know, I'm intelligent, yeah, yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, come on, dude. It's, it's, thanks, man. But like, it's all good. Right. Like I would, you took it much better than I would have taken it. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing is that it's this weird, I, I think you and I, and people who are making stuff now, right. We're in this weird pocket where it's not like 2005, right. Like where like mm-hmm. the internet is still developing and we're understanding that it can be a place where the cult of personality can flourish. It's a thing where not only are we in a post, you know, Jake Paul era, a post Shane Dawson era, a post, you know, PewDiePie era. We not only have we understood the follies of that stuff, we've seen the backlash. And now we're like almost as a groups doubling down on it. Right. And like, you know, it's this weird thing where like I never want to become a person that isn't self-aware that we're I'm just a dude talking on the Internet about pixels on a screen. That's the last thing I want. Yeah, and there's there's a journey that goes from like the point that you're talking about to the um, like using people as objects, and and I think that the comparison to um, 
to royal families and, and even po the political sort of like royal families is, is an interesting one because in some cases, like some people will do and in, in politics, and I'm thinking of like House of Cards and the Hollywoodification of, mm. of politics, or perhaps not, maybe it's subdued, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> but some people will do whatever it takes and yeah. they're so far from considering themselves as just some dude or just some person mm. um, doing the thing that they love. Like they've they've walked out that building and they've gone on like a major marathon hike, like mm. way beyond that spot. And I wonder, like they think that there's there's an interesting space to be explored between those two very far extremes of mm. like what can I do to what who can I screw over, who can I use and belittle and humiliate mm. along the way so that I can become like the number one whatever. Mm. Versus the other end of the of the spectrum is. Like I'm, I'm nobody, I'm doing this for myself. Like, I think that there's, I like that end of the spectrum for sure. I think the other mm -hmm. end is very much that, that renegade. Evil, and, and yeah. 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 Just like, like sociopath kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, there's, there, there is progression to be found. I think as you walk away from just maybe a couple steps out of the, I do this just for me. Cause if you're able to do it just for like, maybe even like one other person. Yeah. Like there, is there something to be found in there? And it, but mm. I think that it does become a bit of a slippery slope. Yeah. Towards because it becomes very intoxicating. Yeah. That like that next step of you're getting something else. You're like and you're further and further removed from this. The people who you leave behind. Yeah. Right? And that's never like we Alex and I have had multiple conversations about that. Like because we've you know being in the class. I say like the class because it's like it feels like high school almost like, mm -hmm. you know, we started making stuff back in 2015. Right. I'm and the like, same, we're in the same class. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like mm -hmm. it. When you start doing this stuff really, I think, does determine your overall mindset, right? I totally agree. Because you kind of look up to certain people around the same times and stuff. And mm -hmm. like, you know, you either become disillusioned at the same time or you start projects at the same times or whatever. Like it's, it, 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 it's this weird phenomenon, I think. And yeah. I think that one thing with me, at least, right? Like I, I, I see the creator stuff and like all the stuff that I've been doing over the past, like however many years now it feels like. Um, it, I've always seen it as like a team sport because mm -hmm. that's kind of what I grew up on, right? Like, you know, I've done baseball, soccer, football, lacrosse, competitive swimming was like my most like recent and biggest thing or whatever, but I've done every sport under the sun. Right. And like, whether you have like a star midfielder in soccer or a great pitcher, you know, you literally cannot play a baseball game with one person, right? Yeah. You can't win a four man relay and swim alone unless you are literally a God, right? Like mm -hmm. it's very difficult to do. And I think that my mentality that I've always seen as is that like, you know, it's a community, right? Like it's a community of people that are all working hard for their own reasons. Right. And that's why I love the swimming comparison is that I'm in my own lane. I'm swimming to do as best as I possibly can. I'm doing a flip turn on the other end, coming back, look at the time. Cool. And that's when I start to look at the pool, right? That's when I start to look right. like, oh man, I wonder where, you know, the person next to me, you know, finish, or I wonder where, oh, my other teammates are. I hope they're doing good or whatever. Um, you know, yeah. my whole thing when it comes to my philosophy, when it comes to creating anything is like th th And that's what I mean is that like, I do it for me is that I'm putting my head down. I'm swinging my arms as hard as I, I can water, holding my breath and hoping that things work out. And then when I touch that wall, when I finish my project or when I, you know, like when the site relaunches, when you finish the logo or when you would have a production meeting, that's when you put your head up and you're like, oh, OK, now I know where I need to improve or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that's the that's where my philosophy has always come from. Right. Like I never want and that's why I never want to be like the team captain or the project leader. I'm like, no, nah, we're all equal. Like we're all doing this thing together because we all need each other. Right. And like mm -hmm. that's where I think, you know, circling back to the original question is like, how did you come to this understanding that all three of you guys are so different. 
I, I think that it's coming from this like mental awareness and fortitude of like, I know in my head, in my heart that I would not be doing okay beast without Alex and, or it would not be what it is today without Alex. I would not be doing okay beast now for not, if it wasn't for Brandon, we wouldn't literally have a website to put words and videos on without Brandon. Right. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't have uh, like, I learned so much about video editing from Alex, right? Like I learned so much about like, literally I wouldn't know how to post the podcast if Alex didn't make a video saying, Hey Ian, here's how you post the podcast (laughs) and makes a chart for me. Right. Yeah. And I think that level of self-awareness that like, even if you like, like, even if you're only a solo creator, right? If it's just you, Mm -hmm. you're posting to YouTube. There's an engineer somewhere in Palo Alto who makes sure that the code works when you post that video, right? That is crazy to think about. Like, I think we're so far from even like the, the, like being, uh, under the the wonder of youtube like mm. we're just like it is a surface it is a yeah. like you turn on the tap and water comes out but when yeah. was the last time you thought like where does that come from yeah <laughs> like there's a man somewhere in a plant that like make sure that that's clean and mm. like all the things that like that have it plumbed to your to your to your kitchen sink or whatever mm. like you just you put a video on youtube but and then it's there like, what yeah and that's like that i think what you need to have you need to have an awareness <laughs> yeah. that everything like and, and i don't know if that's like an old world Jewish thing or um, a Japanese thing that I learned over time is that like everything comes from somewhere. And I think that there's a, there's a saying in Japanese before you eat, it's itadakimasu and it translates to, you know, saying thank you, but not just to, you know, not just to the person that made your food, but to the the grains of rice that they came from and the cow that, you know, the meat came from and the milk that came from. There's, there's the same thing in Hebrew, actually, like almost word for word saying like, you know, the same sentiment. Um, And I think that that level of self-awareness is not universal. Um, and that's kind of, I think what brought us to this point in like the cult of personality is like people thinking that they're holier than thou and you know, that they can do everything by themselves. And that's kind of my whole philosophy. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many through lines through all of this stuff. Hmm. I I think about like the, the triple A's of like the, the big games, big publishers who have like giant budgets and hundreds of people working on these games and they get a lot of attention, Hmm. right? But there's not enough of those to keep gamers interested and and through and playing games all the time like there's there's um like the double a's and the indies that are required and that's sort of like kind of going back to the to the democratization of everything it's there's a democratization of creating games of consuming games of creating content and consuming content like it's it is all over the place and just because there are some some entities that are larger or gain bigger audiences or have bigger budgets it doesn't take away it's almost like if you took away like the indie scene and podcasting i think the the jenga tower collapses Mm. i think if you were to take away and this is sort of i think one of the reasons why to going back to the mixer thing like that that's why that whole thing collapsed like you double down on on the wrong piece and you ignore some of the more foundational parts to it Mm. and it all just kind of like crumbles so it goes down to like the micro example, like the microeconomics of like a podcast team and the composition of that team and, and what each person brings to the table. But then the collection of all podcasters and what we all kind of like bring to the table, right? Like mm. how do we how do we make podcasting something that people want to go to? It's a collective effort. It's not like Joe Rogan doesn't do that on his own because mm. I mean, for another number of reasons, like take, mm. take your pick on on your on your take on Joe Rogan. It's a collective of big and small uh, content creators of, of video games and video game creators and everything. It's just that's what makes this all consuming. 
and so fascinating to me that and i don't know if it's like better or if we're better or worse for it but mm. it is what it is and i just think mm. it's really fascinating to kind of talk about it with you man yeah thanks for having me thanks for like having yeah like it's it's funny because i, I told this about um or i talked about this uh with alex at um an extra life or whatever um i made the joke that i'm stupid on purpose right that i make silly stupid goofy like comments on purpose but there is like a desire in me to like drill down deep and like talk more about intellectual stuff that sometimes always doesn't fit with the narrative of like the goofy stuff that I say on the podcast. So it's like, it's awesome yeah. just to sit down and like be an intellectual for an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Just want to explore it. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest that I've got any answers, but I really like discovery, mm. right? Like I really like even just kind of, and, and discovering like those through lines. It's not like I came to this and go like, you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to make sure that I tell Ian, about all these connections that I've liked. It's like Hell yeah. totally spontaneous, man. And you know what? I'm going to have to have you back so that we can just do like dick and fart jokes for like an hour <laughs> because I think that would be, I get a big kick out of that as well, man. I'm down. I am 100% down to do a dumb, goofy podcast. About or just a rundown jokes. on anime, man. Like I honestly mm-hmm. can have you on every, like once a month for the rest of the 20 years that I've got left or whatever it is. <laughs> Uh, that sounds so dark. Hopefully more than 20. You're playing too um, much Last of Us, bro. I know, dude. Holy cow. Good That's golly. it. And, I, and don't play it like I played it. I played it in a weekend. Oh, and like Friday off from work. And then Sunday was Father's Day. So it's like I got oh, permission to do what I wanted. Oh, by the way, happy Father's Day. Mazel tov, oh, dude. There you thank go. you. Thank you. Hey, I have a question. Speaking of that, tell um, tell on, a, on a somewhat recent episode, it may have been like six episodes ago. Mm. Um, Alex used the shorthand. And I don't know if this is real. He said mazel is. Can, you can you can say that. Yeah, you can say mazel. Yeah, you okay. Can say, was, it's short for mazel tov, obviously. <laughs> no, I know. But you can you can <laughs> hit people sure with mazel. Real. Hey, bro, mazel. That's great. Like it's okay, okay. My family, we say it like it's like the northeast, like um, what is it like tri-state area Jews that say it that way. But yeah, mazel's all good. You can you can cut off. The okay, top, okay. Man. I wasn't sure if if that was a my my. It's so funny. My dad referred to Nine Inch Nails as Nin because he sees oh like N I N a lot, and I'm like nobody <laughs> calls it that. Like oh, that's it's not Nin. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't sure if it was if if, if uh, Alex is pulling a nin with with mazel. Oh, but, uh, I, yeah, no, it was uh, it was a lovely weekend. Um, definitely gonna have to have you back as I was getting to like I could have you on once a month for the next for the lifetime and have a completely different conversation with you every time. Oh, yeah. Uh, deep dive into anime, deep dive into even just content creation and everything, man. Mm. Um, but if people want to find out more about you, where where can they go on the Internet to find your stuff? That's a good question. Uh, if you're into goofy, weird stuff on the internet on the twitter side you can go to twitter.com slash ian why not uh if you like fun twitch streams i'm streaming pokemon uh the isle of armor dlc right now uh the same thing on twitch twitch.tv slash ian why not i stream uh pretty much monday through friday now um in the mornings i stream pokemon at the nights on or sorry in the mornings monday wednesday friday i stream like lighthearted stuff at night tuesday thursday i stream like spooky games like control or danganronpa or whatever um, and yeah, so that's where you can find me on that. You can find, uh, videos that we do like video essays and, and stuff that we're working on over at okbeast.com. You can find, uh, the videos isolated just on YouTube, which is the same thing, which is okbeast. So youtube.com slash okbeast. Dude. Well, I'm, I think I need a nap after this. I'm, like, I'm completely sleepy, mentally bro. exhausted, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'll, I'll don't do respect. It's like, I, that is a, uh, intense conversation and i appreciate it every single moment thank you so much ian for your time tonight i appreciate it of course man it's my pleasure my pleasure (laughs) 
there's something kind of magical that happens with the show. I think I, I, I like to reflect on this every once in a while because to be honest with that, because I sort of like joked about the whole like uh, Lincoln going to bed and he was screaming and like, haha. That's really hard, man. That's really, that's really not awesome. It's not energizing. It's, uh, it's the opposite of energizing. It's draining. And so I just kind of like th put him to bed. I, I gave him his, he, it's his Tanuki Mario little stuff. He calls it Flying Mario. I went back in afterwards. I gave it to him. He was fast asleep. Went to go make sure he had his stuffy and just like, just hope he's doing all right. So I'm not feeling like I wasn't feeling awesome at the start, but I don't want to like start the show off with like that kind of like gross energy. So I want to make sure like I, I feel like I feel excited about this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you to Ian. But after doing that, after doing that like intro and getting hyped up about the show and reminding myself like that we had an awesome conversation that I'm excited about the Patreon, I'm excited about everything that we're doing here. I am jacked up and I am so damn ready to go play more Xenoblade and just grab a, a Diet Pepsi, get my ass on the couch, and play some games. And I hope you guys are doing whatever you need to do to stay energized, keep your head up, keep your chin up, and keep going at it, man. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. Reach out to me on Twitter, at Sean Capri, Sean like Connery, Capri like the pants, if you need anything at all. And I would really appreciate it if you guys shared the show. You could talk about it on your own podcast. We all have our own podcast. So you could share this on your on your thing. Uh, you could rate it on Apple Podcasts. I, You know what? I should have checked. I'll check maybe just in a second before uh, just mentioning a couple other things. Patreon.com slash Yumi Capri. You can be the 51st person, just as important as the 50th. And that would be incredible. Let's keep on moving. Let's keep on trucking. We're going to we're gonna do a little something something. And also, check that feed. If you are one of the 50 people at Patreon.com slash Yumi Capri, Bobby and I are recording a uh, our monthly uh, exclusive podcast. It's the Yumi Capri podcast. And I don't even know what we're going to talk about, but it's sort of like this where Bobby is the guest every every month. I think that's probably the best way to to kind of say. We, we go kind of like in and out of a whole bunch of stuff. And Bobby and I have been on a journey over the last year or so. So I hope you guys will will check that out. I was supposed to be checking things, oh, other things. Oh my gosh, I'm so I'm so behind. I was supposed to click on the things to check the, to see if I have any, any Apple. Yeah, I'm running out of time, man. I'm going to run it. The music is already running out. I don't think there's 13 ratings on this. I don't think that that's it. Please, you guys, send me a review. Let's get them going and send me a screenshot. Send me a note. Make sure that I don't forget because otherwise, uh, I'm going to see you guys next week for another episode with Dev Tyus from PSVG. I love that guy. I hope you guys are there. Uh, for now, let's just listen to Jason. He's here somewhere. Jason? Jason! 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 Sean! 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 Sean, where are you? Jason! 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 Sean! 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 Jason! 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 Jason!